Our scripture reading tonight is taken from the book of Ezekiel, the prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter 47. We're going to be reading the first 12 verses of that chapter. Uh, As we read it, you might be wondering what the pastor was thinking. Uh, This is a strange passage. What what is he going to do with that one? Well, you'll find out. There's a lot to do with that one. So I uh, ask for your indulgence as we read these verses. It's part of a set of visions uh, that God gives to Ezekiel. Remember, he's part of an exiled people whose life has come unraveled. They're dwelling in Babylon, and he's given visions and prophecies of, in this case, water flowing from the temple, part of a picture of new temple and the blessings that comes with that. So we begin reading at the first verse, chapter 47. Then this guide, he, brought me, that is Ezekiel, back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea, that is the Dead Sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Enagalim. It, it will be a place for the spreading of nets, its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. 
but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Thus far, our reading from God's blessed word to us. Indeed, may he bless it to us. Well, we get done reading that, and you might still be going, hmm, (laughs) what about that one? What are we going to do with that? Well, it's important, first of all, to understand that this water comes forth from the temple, from the dwelling place of God, the throne of God. It's from God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Probably seeing that virtually every Sunday. Right. And we can sing it and act like it's not true. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You could also say praise God from whom no blessings at all come to us except from him. Now, to an exiled people, this is a portrait where life has truly unraveled. We can all look at our lives, even church life together, congregational life. We can see times of joy, times of sorrow. Things are looking up, things are looking down. Well, to a sinful covenant people in the days of Ezekiel, the people of God had become so unfaithful, so sinful, so neglectful of God's will in way, so neglectful of actually seeking his mercy for help and forgiveness God banishes them, spits them out of promised land. You want to live like the world? Be the world, then live in the world. Go to the world. I exile you to the world. I banish you. I put you in the captivity of Babylon. Do I have your attention now? People of God. Does it take this sort of sorrow and desperation And indeed, they're in sorrow and desperation. So desperate, we'll never be happy again. There's not a future for us or for our children or our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. It's all over. It's all dead. It's all, we're just numb with grief. Except God continues to speak through his prophet and shows us how hope comes to dead places. So yeah, it was on purpose. I give you the double whammy about mercy to unexpected places and hope to dead places. Except this is a vision that shows us a stance that's true about Israel in exile, but now of a kingdom come that shows us a program for the church facing a world that's a big dead place, a savage place, an unfriendly place, sometimes a dangerous place, often a hostile place. Hope comes to dead places. Now as we begin to look at this, there's rising waters, healing waters, and trees of life. It's unmistakable that what we find here are rising waters. And it's very peculiar because it starts as a trickle, a little stream, hardly can form a puddle, but then it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Now this is important because everywhere we look, it doesn't seem like water going into a dead place gets bigger. In fact, if you've ever been in the desert or even seen a mountain stream go down into a desert region, it doesn't get bigger, it starts to shrivel, diminish. It gets swallowed up by the desert and it can literally vanish in midstream. It just sort of stops. The vision here is the opposite though. It comes from God. Starts small. Reminds you of Jesus and His kingdom and His cause. Starts small. Little huddle of twelve and one of them is not faithful. Frightened. Abandoning Him. One of them. The leader of them. Even calling down curses. I don't know the man. Not a very impressive beginning. And yet, you get to Pentecost and from 120 to 3,000. And you keep reading in the book of Acts. You get to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And you discover, oh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. There's, it's the gospel spreading out. It's, it's finding a, a bigger welcome. You get to the book of Acts, the very end of it. It starts in Jerusalem under a kind of persecution and fear. It ends in Rome where in Caesar's very palace, the palace guard are hearing the Gospel. And Paul is receiving all who come to him under house arrest. It's made it into the heart of Satan's throne. Start small, but there's rising waters in kingdom come. Mustard seed, big tree. Yeast, undetectable, and yet it leavens. That's something of the vision. To an exiled people, it's hopeless. There's hope. When it comes from God and from His grace and from His throne, there's hope. So this, this angel guide, if you will, takes Ezekiel through the temple and he sees this water, water under the threshold of the temple. Now you have to get your geography down a little bit. The temple in Jerusalem facing east. If you go east, downhill, you're going to get to desert wasteland and finally to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is called that because the Jordan River flows into it and nothing flows out. It's so low that the water puddles there, evaporates there, becomes saltier and saltier and saltier, so that it's a lifeless sea. It's a dead sea. A place that you can't drink the water, there's nothing to fish, there's, it's just a dead place. It's a Sodom and Gomorrah place. It seems like a cursed place. And yet, the portrait here is one where there's hope for dead places. Good. There's good news here. It's important we grasp this because everywhere we look, we see not only dead places in our world, we know people that have dead marriages, people who work dead-end jobs, they have dead relationships, we know people that have deadly habits, deadly addictions, deadly behaviors, we might even say deadly dispositions. Sometimes churches can become dead churches, dead ministries, a dead minister in his heart. It's so important because 
the church that's at the crossroads of life and death, Jesus calls to life. Wake up. Take measure of yourself. And here we're shown that there's hope. There can, because of rising waters from the temple of God. So Ezekiel's taken on this tour and he goes on the out through the north gate, out around, and he sees, oh, and there, and now it's flowing up out of the temple, and it's starting on its way through this desert wasteland. And he's given this, this measuring line called a thousand cubits. Well, a rough guesstimate is think of one big lap around the track, 400 meters. So you travel out 400 meters. And now, this stream is ankle deep. And he's instructed, he measures out another thousand, and he travels, and now this stream has become knee deep. This is the sort of stuff the kids are having fun in. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you measure another 400 meters out, and you travel through it, and now it's waist deep. And then another thousand and it's, it's, it's a rampant river. It's a river to swim in, but it's not a river you can cross. It's too large, it's too big, and it flows onward, downward through the Arabah to the Dead Sea, the dead place. Now this shows us something about kingdom of God, kingdom come. What for a, a dead-end people how God can take a trickle of grace, a trickle of his mercy, a trickle of his help, and make it something larger and bigger and better and larger and deeper, and finally something we can't calculate. Jesus himself said kingdom of God is like that. Jesus himself said, you know, it can start small and be unimpressive, but you finally can't measure it all together. Something exiled people very much need to hear because they feel like they're finished, that God has cut them off forever, that there's no hope and blessing to come. And in our own personal walk and struggle, sometimes we fall into sin and failure and uh, we become what we all know are repeat offenders. There I go again. That's me again. Blowing my top again. Coveting again. Lustful again. Hateful again. Angry again. Whatever it is. Oh, and the devil would have us in the dirt. God can't love you. You're beyond repair. Give up. Punt. But you're a dead place. But there's life and hope for dead places and dead people and dead marriages and a dead in life. As we saw this morning, God can do surprising things. Now, when Ezekiel is shown all this, he's asked a question. Ezekiel, do you see this? We're not to yawn our way through the Bible. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. Do you, have you seen this? Are you understanding what this implies and means? Church, do you see this? Do you see amazing grace here? Ezekiel earlier had been shown a valley 
This is Ezekiel 37, a valley of dry bones. Remember? What do you see, Ezekiel? I see bones, bone dried, sun baked dry, death. Just a valley of death, nothing. Can these bones live? By human calculation, no. Dead is dead, flunk is a flunk, failure is a failure, you know. Try something else. Oh Lord, you know. Prophesy, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. It's not the power of Ezekiel, it's the power of God. His power. So he prophesies and suddenly these bones start coming together and there's sinew connecting the bones and muscle and flesh and that which is dead is made a living army by the power of and grace and blessing of God. To an exiled people, it's hopeless. No, there's hope. To a church that struggles in the world, it's hopeless. I, I fail in my own life so much. It's no, there's hope. I'm such a repeat offender, and God's grace reaches out in His mercy to forgive your repeat offenses. His grace doesn't get tired or shriveled. He's not stingy and mean. This is the portrait here. The church, the history of the church shows us this, right? I mean, at Pentecost, you have this tiny little church all worried and huddled, and yet at the end of it, there's a blossoming forth. The message in the book of Acts is one of success and victory. Struggle, resistance, Trial, imprisonments, floggings, disputes, hostility, imprisonment, yet the march of kingdom come, the march of the gospel and God's grace. So important we grasp that, understand that. If you study church history, it has its ups and downs too. You study the Old Testament it's mostly a story of deformation and covenant breaking and failure, but there's these oases of hope, and now Jesus arrives, and we're on the way. We're, we sometimes are a little trickle, but it's not long, and we're basking in something ankle deep, or knee deep, or waist deep or something incalculable. I think it's important for our faith to keep hold of how the Lord keeps hold of us. It's also important to see that as this marches forward, these rising waters bring forth a kind of blessing from rising waters to healing waters. Because no sooner is Ezekiel marched out to where it's uncrossable and, wow, what next? He's led back, right? He's led back. He led me back uh, into verse 6, starting verse 7. And I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. So it's going east goes down into the Arabah, enters the sea, the Dead Sea, 
When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Well, that's not something they ordinarily experienced. The fresh water from the Jordan flowed into it, and it just became putrid water, salt water, dead sea water. But the water that comes from God's temple transforms the dead place. And that's why on his way back through this desert wasteland and so forth, I mean, we're all used to green, plush Michigan. My, my uh, father some years ago visited me out in Indiana and we actually went up to Grand Rapids and he, he lived in the desert southwest. And he just said over and over, I just can't get over how green everything is around here. Just, it's just so green. He just said it over and over again. You know, he couldn't contemplate, where do you get all this water and this, 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 this beautiful green? He just couldn't get over it. Well, you don't expect in a desert wasteland a river to widen. You don't expect a river to heal a salt place. You don't expect that on the banks of this river suddenly there emerges all this greenery, this uh, everything's verdant and beautiful, and that's what Ezekiel is shown here. That uh, wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish and so forth. And on the banks of the river, very many trees on one side, on, on the other side, there's flourishing. There's life. You see what God does? You see the vision He's giving? We feel shriveled and beaten and we're, we're, we're punished for our sins. We're penalized. We're, 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 we're disciplined as God's people. Certainly the people in Israel in Ezekiel's day. And then, ah, but look, where it's all brown and dead, there's greenery. Where it's all nothing there to live and thrive. Suddenly, it's uh, verdant and beautiful. And not only that, because the Dead Sea is healed, suddenly there's fish of every kind swarming there, like, like the ocean itself, the Great Sea. And the water that goes there becomes fresh, and fishermen stand beside the sea from Engedi to in Nagalim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. It's a, it's a portrait, a vision of that which was dead as now thriving town and fishing villages and fruition and blessedness and life. Jesus Christ came to give us life and life abundant. He's not a stingy giver. I want you miserable. I want you unhappy. Usually, as believers, when we're miserable and unhappy, it's because we place ourselves there. Not always. I don't want to be insensitive. There's things that strike our lives that are sorrows and testings. I understand. But sometimes in the face of blessing, we don't have eyes to see it. Because we're casting covetous eyes everywhere instead of looking at the blessing in front of our face and finding joy in what God has given us. Instead, we look past it to what He hasn't given us. 
It's, you know, the little song, count your many blessings, count them one by one. Well, yeah, how about doing that? And then you're not jealous of someone else. You're happy with what God's given. A grace that surrounds you. A forgiveness that's yours. A kindness that's found itself in your heart. A spouse and children that are yours. God gave them to you. Or a different sort of set of blessings. Not all blessings are those. But you see, where blessing flows from the throne of God, there's life. Where blessing flows from the Christ of God, there's forgiveness. Where blessing flows from the Son of God, who's our Savior, there's renovation and new beginnings and a new way to live. And this is what the church is called to. Jesus comes and He brings healing and help and salvation and strength. Ezekiel, do you see it? Church, do you see it? Are you paying attention? Are you awake? Are you thankful? Are you looking how you might serve the Lord? Because where His blessings go, there's transformation. Life doesn't just stay the same. Okay, now someday we'll go to heaven, but we'll live in a desert. Now someday uh, uh, we'll all make it to glory, but for now, everything can just remain in the devil's hands. Kingdom come does stuff. When kingdom is in your midst, eyes are transformed to see because that's what they're supposed to do. Ears are healed to hear because God gave the ear for hearing. Poor, dead lives receive the good message of the Gospel so that they know God because we were designed for Him. We're not designed to live estranged from Him and without knowledge of Him, but to live for Him. Crippled legs are made whole and well so that you can walk and march forward and live life because that's how God made us. And where the reign of Satan and the reign of sin goes, there there's ravaging, there's blindness and deafness and no knowledge of God and crippled legs. But where His healing reign emerges, it touches life and transforms. It's made green. It's made thriving. And Jesus is very clear there's a kingdom of God inaugurated. It's on its way. It's here. And yet the fullness isn't yet here. The full healing. The full blessedness. We haven't arrived at new heaven and new earth. We haven't yet come to resurrected, transformed bodies, transformed in the twinkling of an eye. We're not there yet, but we're on the highway, the narrow way that leads to life. In fact, it's not someday I'll have eternal life. I have eternal life. And I'm on my way to glory. Now this is the vision that's given. And it's one that shows us rather than give in to the world and give in to sin and give in to half measures and give in to dead seas and dead places and dead relationships, rather than give in, 
I'm going to march forward and live my life for Christ the King because He claims me altogether in every way, every day. I'm going to educate my children in the ways of the Lord. They're going to learn under the One who's King of kings and Lord of lords, who made the earth and created all things and governs them for His glory. I'm not going to bring Jesus off into a corner. He's invited to the very heart of my life. He's Lord of the very heart of my life. He gives me life and He directs me in life. I've been purchased body and soul. He takes a dead place and makes it green and living to thrive. I'm not trying to be overly victorious. I know firsthand my own heart, the struggle of the Christian life. But that's not because God's grace is poor or the call I have to live for Jesus is bad or not there. It's just sometimes I cast my eyes away from Him and think I can go it my way or that the world has a better message for living wrong. The world gives you a desert, gives you a dead place, gives you a dead sea, gives you dead water where you thirst and you're not quenched. Jesus is the living water. He's the living bread. He's the new beginning. He's the Lord of Pentecost. So He sends His church into the world. We gather under Word and sacrament and power of Word and Spirit to receive that which gives life and blessing to now live under His kingship to, as small as it might be, make a difference wherever He places us. You work in a factory. I once worked in a bread breakery factory where bread coming down conveyors and you put five on this side and five on that side and lifted the pallet and put it there. I have enough story. My wife thought I worked there for like three years because I had enough story after ten days. <laughs> Then I quit. Uh, after 10 days, she said, you only worked there 10 days? That was enough. <laughs> but doing that job, you discover all these people who are either lonely, bored, and entertain themselves with vulgarities and profanity and gross stories. But how about you exist there as light, as hope, as friendship, as pointing to a better way of patience, of kindness. You don't put Jesus on a shelf anywhere. You bring Him everywhere. And He leads you everywhere. And this, you can just go on and on, multiplying this. If the church is something of the hub and its ministry of Word and Spirit, it spokes out into the world to make whatever big or little difference we're called to make, but we make it because it's all Christ's. It's His. The creation's usurped. Doesn't belong to the devil. Belongs to Him. It's His. And then it's His by right. He takes dead places and makes them green. He takes dead waters and makes them fresh. He takes dead people and makes them alive and makes them believers and makes them His own. 
What a vision, what a blessing for exiled people who feel like it's all hopeless. Then finally, trees of life. These trees of life. We read of the thriving fishing business, the spreading of nets. We read that there's still salt to be had. We read on this river on both banks grow all kinds of trees for food and for medicine, for healing. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month, not once a year. Finally, the peaches, Michigan peaches, (laughs) finally, they're ripe or something like, no, every month. Because the water for them flows from the sanctuary of God. Their fruit will be for food, their leaves for healing. Now, if you know your Bible well, you would say, hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm, isn't that sort of like Revelation 22? The very end of the Bible? Yeah, it is. You think maybe John is picking up on a vision that was given to Ezekiel? That God enables him to see something with the full implications of heavenly glory as Ezekiel is given a vision of Christ and his first coming and the glory and the benefits that come with that. You you understand the whole point of this is to show us when blessing comes from God, it's likened unto a mighty river and there's flourishing trees and fresh water and fish and abundance and life. That's the point. It's important the church believes that. Because if we don't believe that, we have no desire to bring that message to the world. We don't think it's true. But when we believe that, it's true. There's something great. There's something wonderful to share. Every person's life is a dead place. Every person's life is broken, is shriveled, is a wasteland until God's grace enters and starts to make it something verdant and beautiful and abundant and green and thriving. And that's what he comes to do because he provides for what we need always. Not occasionally. Not his grace is sometimes abundant and sometimes shriveled and and uh, yes, there's times of greater flourishing, but his grace is monthly. It, it's reliable. It's always constant. And there's fruit always to be had. And there's healing in those leaves because the Lord knows we're all broken. Some of us have damaged childhoods. We are damaged from how we went through. Sometimes it wasn't parents, sometimes it was schoolmates or just a bully on the block that wounded your heart, and it's never, or a teacher that it, it's never gone away. Sometimes we just are wired with dispositions that are not conducive to life going swell. Sometimes we don't find ourselves with companionship. We're lonely, or we've lost a spouse. What I'm trying to help you see is we all need healing. We all need God's salves, the leaves of healing that he gives. 
We all need tender mercies, presence. We need each other. We need each, we need each other's prayers, tender touch. We need an arm around. I'm here for you. We all are tender, wounded people. We can be sturdy and strong and everything's fine, but you live life long enough, it's not. We need what Jesus gives, this water from the throne that brings the trees of life and flourishing and healing and health. We need his spirit in abundance. We need the communion of saints. We need that which gives fruition and blessing and the proportion of fruit always there, a ministry. We need word and sacrament. We need the gospel Sunday by Sunday. We need the, the visible reminders of done for you, grace for you, accomplished for you. You're forgiven truly, certainly. Receive his help, his mercy. Who doesn't need that? I need that. You don't need that. You don't need the tender mercies, the long reach of grace. I do. I'm sure you do. You don't have a lost brother or a lost sister, a lost uncle, a wayward child who doesn't need this long reach to find them, to chase them down, to transform them, to heal them, to take the dead place of their life and make it green. We all do. We need the mercy of God. Kingdom come. Christ is our Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We need our Savior who loves us and embraces us. We need the water from the temple of God that brings healing and health and hope to dead places, even dead lives. And he gives it to us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The good news answer to Ezekiel's vision. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Thank you for this Lord's day. Thank you for one another as your people that we can gather around your word and see the victory of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for a knowledge that we're not our own but belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you for his reign and rule and victory that is certain to come. Make us faithful through trying difficult times and be for us ever rising waters, healing waters, and the tree of life. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.